This is Movies, a podcast about the act of cinema. With me today is Haas. Haas, are you prepared? What are you doing over there? Yeah, you... yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm just, I think I just, yeah, let's not talk about my work computer, but let's just pretend everything's going, yeah, it's going great. Hello, it's very sunny here and warm. I can tell. What do you, what is it, how come you have your, your blinds out? You don't want to let any sun in your room? No. Oh. I like my cave. Okay. Wants to keep the fresh shave nice and pasty. Yeah. What would, what would that look like if you put some sun on it, Hans? Would we see some stubble? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, I shaved it today, freshly shaven for this, just oh. because if I if I don't shave within like three days, I start getting like the, you know, like post-chemo look, and I, I don't <laughs> want that. So mm-hmm. I, I, I like to, you know, keep it fresh and well, smooth. That's that was very polite of you for for our two guests tonight. We have Jake and Angie from the Low Society podcast coming on the show for the first time. Uh, I have to apologize to you guys because when I went and did your show, that was like the worst audio I've ever had in any like guest situation. Or it sounded like I was recording through an early '90s MacBook. It was atrocious. It was really bad. So it can't have been any worse than when we had Anakachian from red scare on that was probably the worst audio that we've had because there's this like typically kind of bad but it was just like particularly bad during that day yeah that was like a 90s mac in a kitchen yeah it was that bad <laughs> but it's okay we forgive you oh thank you all right so uh we're gonna be talking about two movies tonight but i think we should just talk about film in general because as i, I so i i watched uh, the two films that are on the slate this evening, The Love Witch and uh, Viva, which are both from Anna Biller. And uh, as I was rewatching The Love Witch last night, I was like, yeah, I feel like I'm going to have nothing to say about these movies after about 10 minutes. So, uh, Hans, you watched them on Yiffy for the first time. You're not familiar with this filmmaker at all. Uh, no. Why don't you kick things off by just giving your, your... The first thing he said to me when we hopped on the call was that he liked Viva more than The Love Witch, which I think is kind of baffling. Oh. Oh. Uh, yeah. I'm very confused by that opinion. So why don't you start with what you like about Viva? Because that, was her, that okay. was her second film, right? She's directed three films. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you got the, the... I don't know why I called it Interrogation before the call. It's called The Hypnotist. Uh, the hypnotist. No, no. Where the, well, I don't know why my brain made that connection. Interrogation sounds uh, like yeah. that <laughs> awful John Cusack, Nicolas Cage movie we watched. That was like sounds direct like to a, Redbox. Sounds like a bunch of these movies. Uh, yeah. I uh, I grew up watching, even though I'm not that old, right? I grew up watching uh, Bewitched and all of those very, very clean, I guess, comedies uh, from, from back in the day in America because they, they would just replay them in the 90s here. So this uh, movie felt to me like a, a mix between like the the Black Hole Sun video and a Bewitched episode. Uh, just the, the tone of everything, uh, the way everyone would talk to each other, which kind of felt like um, people pretending to be back in those days. But for whatever reason, uh, or I think one of her strengths in this movie is that she was able to find them. Um, actors that look exactly like the actors that you would get in a movie in the 60s which you don't really see now yes uh so that that added a lot to the immersion of the this whole strange universe that i was in um didn't really care much for her performance i think their director is not very good i think yeah that's i think that uh, that was my takeaway from that also is i'm glad she she managed to remove herself from the acting equation by the time she got to the love witch because everything else i felt like was on point and it crystallizes with the love witch 
And I'd like to hear what you guys have to say about that too, about the two, uh, the difference, the contrast between the two films. Uh, it kind of feels like she's weighing down her own feature. It, Viva. It, I think she was the only one that didn't feel or that actually felt like she was trying to sound like that. Everyone else's uh, delivery was very natural. Mm. But for her, just the way that she would, and I don't know if she's for, I don't know where she's from. I know nothing about her and I didn't really do any research. But uh, I, I, I don't know if she's not American and she's trying to sound like that. What would you call that, that accent? Like continental, 60s yeah. transatlantic accent? Yeah, she's like me, that's, that's... basically. She's the cool kind of Trump. right. <laughs> <laughs> but but everyone else felt so natural in that world. I guess that whenever she would speak, I don't know if it was her expression on her face or the way she was delivering the lines, but it was always kind of off a little bit. And and her performance did take me out of the movie, especially when the movie focused entirely on her. Uh, but even though it was two hours, like it. It really flew by just because I did feel like I was in the in like a yeah black hole sun slash bewitched slash you know uh, leave it to Beaver type of of show. So I, I enjoyed definitely, it. Definitely, it's well, kind of like um, femme cell fan fiction. It has that kind of vibe to it. Like mm -hmm. that, that's kind of what I find interested interesting about her. It's like a elevated femme cell fan fiction <laughs> um with a really cool aesthetic i guess that's how i see it femme cell yeah. leaning into that kind of uh i don't know what you'd call it like it's not really like an old wives tale but that kind of like saying of uh you know hot chicks don't get approached so they're really lonely <laughs> yeah and so like <laughs> and crazy and will like try to kill you um yeah it, I, I really love her th her thematic dimension that's kind of um where i find it the most interesting um The aesthetic is cool too. Like I, I love all that Technicolor 60s shit. Um, but yeah, I think she kind of um, explores like crazy women and like female insanity really in this like really interesting way. Um, it's interesting what you both say about uh, the first film um, because I also, I wasn't sure if it was just the writing or like something was just more hammy and too over the notch on on what that was on what she was trying to go for but then i, I absolutely agree with you laura is that she kind of uh, absolutely nails it in the love which i thought that was uh, really 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 good and it kind of just yeah nailed yeah. it in, uh, in in what she was trying to go for i feel like the only thing that i have to complain about regarding the love which is it feels about 35 minutes too long uh <laughs> i feel like you could have cut out one of her many suitors and, and gotten like the same effect in a shorter amount of time uh, probably that, yeah That's oh, really but then we the... wouldn't have had the Ren Fair scene. Like, <laughs> it's part of the fun. It's part of the fun. I'm joking. Um, yeah. Well, Jake, I appreciate I... that she. I, uh, yeah, go I, ahead. I, I just like this. Appreciate that she was willing to just show her tits in her movie. Just like, hey, this is me. I'm the director. Here's my tits. It's like that's very. Uh, I don't know if I, I don't know if it's just confident. I mean. Just as a spoiler, uh, Lores has a, a real fellatio scene in Mass State Lottery, so look forward to that. Wow. Uh, so it's just, I'm, <laughs> I'm just, just thinking, all right, well, here's... Now, yeah, hold on a second, Hans, like you're priding her perfect. for this. I sent a picture of Lena Dunham to our group chat only 45 minutes ago, and you had some very nasty words to say about her in a community, <laughs> so I don't know. I think you're being inconsistent here. I just said that you could smell the picture. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> guess what that smells like. 
Uh, yeah, but I, I don't know. That that was after finding out that she was the the director. I was like, oh, cool. That's kind of kind of a a brave brave sta- stunning sta- statement. <laughs> I guess yeah, it's very stunning of her to show her <laughs> boobs multiple times for yeah. when she didn't have to for no reason. Just like, hey, here they are. You know. Yeah. I think very that... uh, Russ Meyer. Yeah, or... yeah, yeah. It's they're both pretty Russ Meyery in in nature. Uh, Jake, I wanted to get your opinion on this because I had mentioned I think many months ago that I was watching The Love Witch, and then Angie, you were like, "Oh, uh, great filmmaker, great movie," and that that's what gave me the idea to um, pitch these two films to you guys to do because we've just been going back and forth trying to figure out what to cover for the show and getting caught up in that. Um, what is I mean, Jake? What is your history with this? particular filmmaker and what was your opinion i guess going into them and then having watched both of them well i'm like a massive kind of b-movie fan so like i love uh, i love john carpenter and kind of uh, films that have that very strong kind of age or time related aesthetic i guess mm. uh and so angie then immediately suggested that, uh, that we watch the love witch and i kind of was I hadn't seen it kind of done retroactively so accurately and so well. And uh, so it really kind of like took me back. And yeah, it, because I was sort of so transfixed on like how well and all the detail and everything about it and, and sort of the filmmaking side of it, that kind of, I guess, drew me more into the story in a way. So maybe I paid attention more than I would have if uh, <laughs> it was just a movie released at that time, just as it was kind of thing. But the yeah, because you're kind of looking at it, not maybe it's the fucking nerd in, in me as well, trying to always pick apart stuff and, and like look at how they do stuff. But um, but yeah, the, so that maybe kind of maybe tran- transfix on it, on it a little bit more. But um, and then yeah, watching I've only kind of watched uh, I haven't watched uh, is it Billa like all the all the way through. I've only watched it in kind of chunks and sections. What, but Viva? V- yeah, yeah, sorry, Viva. Viva. Um, but uh, yeah, that one, it definitely, all of the parts I've seen of it, just <laughs> way too way too hammy in comparison to The Love Witch. Mm-hmm. Like the, the look, she's kind of still like cinematically kind of nailed in pretty solidly still. But um, just, yeah, the kind of the acting, yeah, was just way too off for me to kind of be really drawn in. It was way too distracting. Yeah, so um, nothing. To what you said, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, to what you said, I don't think I've seen any other filmmaker nail the look of that era so accurately. And yeah, just it's a seamless uh, pulling of everything from the '60s and being able to uh, bring that into today. I think a lot of people have this idea of what that was like, or, or maybe that they can cut certain corners and getting there. I think it's a lot of attention to detail to wardrobe to uh, just the interior design of a lot of the, the sets. Uh, the only thing that I noticed, which was with the the Love Witch that was out of place, was uh, some of the vehicles. Yeah. Which they can't yeah. really do anything about it. They have a <laughs> You know, they've got like a 1970 Oldsmobile or whatever. And then in the background is like an SUV from 2010. You know, yeah. that's that was the one exception where I was like, ah, all right, not, not perfect, 99%, but pretty close. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't have Tarantino's budget to rent out the right. whole block, you know. <laughs> so that's where I think my interest in these two films mainly stem from. Because like you, I don't really think I have much of an interest in the story itself or anything else. But I'm so wowed by uh, her ability to uh, get everything in place and have it look so seamlessly 1960s. Mm. Definitely, definitely. 
Um, I also kind of think she's interesting because she calls herself a feminist filmmaker, uh, even though her her films kind of are kind of critical of it in a way as well. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. she's she's uh, she's like kind of making fun of like sixties like sexual revolution aesthetics, while at the same time she's like obviously like deeply enamored by them at the same time she's kind of it's like it's kind of confusing what she's trying to say because she's kind of like oh like all of this like um this whole aesthetic of femininity or this whole mode of femininity is like limiting but at the same time she's like super in love with it at the same time <laughs> like with the aesthetics and the way that she celebrates the frivolity and the excess it's like um it's like sort of like a it's like e-girl consciousness that's kind mm. of what i would call call these movies or it's kind of like an e-girl consciousness that's like permeating it, mm -hmm. um if and that makes sense the, i think the casting as well and the it must be a combination of the casting script and and directing to just really nail because it's not just like the aesthetic it's like right. literally the actual the the, the types faces. of the types of faces yeah. that the actors have yeah. and the um and yeah and the right. way that they kind of deliver the lines and stuff yeah is exactly to a T it's sort of not just um that lovely technicolor fuzzy kind of look but actually just yeah down to the people as well and the actors as well they yeah. really really nail it <laughs> so I, I find her interesting uh in that to what you were saying Angie you know I had this preconceived notion back when I heard about the love witch in 2016 or so when they were trotting it out to like the revival theaters and the, the hipster theaters in New York and in Massachusetts I thought all right this is going to be like a very on-the-nose feminist piece of garbage. I'm never going to watch this. Um, and then it popped up on like Shudder a year or two ago, and I decided to give it a watch, and they they interviewed her on the special where they were playing it. And I thought uh, a lot of what she was saying was interesting. And then, you know, you dig into... Who, do you guys know who she's married to? Or who she's in a relationship? She's in a relationship or married to Robert Green. Who's the 48 laws of power no way is she oh really? wow yeah oh, that makes so much fucking sense that makes so <laughs> much fucking sense you just read that book didn't you yeah because it's been like i was because it's been like kicking around the zeitgeist and like all these like weird people have been talking about it and it's like this weird it's like a very it's he's like part of that whole jordan peterson like milieu um and it's sort of like a handbook for sociopaths is, is how i would describe <laughs> yeah. it um and like a lot of the characters that she explores are people who are obsessed with the idea of seduction and like mold them their character around being viewed as like a seductive fi figure mm. and it sort of ends up being their like undoing um and like her movie makes a lot of criticisms i guess of the things that she also celebrates at the same time like there's this weird paradox with her that's like kind of hard to pin down but sorry continue i went i went on a tangent <laughs> <laughs> i was just getting at i think that's a very interesting coupling of uh people yeah. you know i did not expect yeah. that in the slice but it does i think in retrospect make sense as to uh maybe how a lot of her criticisms are framed within the art and outside of the art uh because if you take a look at her twitter presence uh it seems very just like normie moderate person who has yeah. like gripes about both both things not like super uh red pill to the point where just like there's pure disgust over anything that has to do with social issue a b c or d yeah but then also not in the the opposite direction although she seems pretty online yeah so. very much so um yeah it's in and i feel like she's probably very inspired by 
um, the way aesthetics are filtered through the online realm. Like some of the Love Witch definitely felt like mood boards that I'd seen on Tumblr as like a teenage girl. Um, are you I on mean, Tumblr? I was when I was a teenage girl. I'm too old and too gross to be on Tumblr these days. <laughs> I was on Tumblr as well, that's, but that's like, how Hans uh, and I met is through Tumblr. Yeah. That's not even. A oh problem. no way! That's so, <laughs> <laughs> that's so cute. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Did you both have Tumblr. like? Uh, did you both have like film pages where you sort of like shared uh, like nope. I don't know movie posters or something? <laughs> like what were you, what was your what was your Tumblrs? Uh, Hans, what did you post on Tumblr? You you you, you kind of had a general. It was a lot of Opie yeah. and Anthony comedy stuff, and um, oh, cool! What, what Just like comedy there? and like, like comics and shit like that. Cool. But the reason why we got connected was because of Opie and Anthony that we did listen to it both at, at that time. So uh, that's super. I think that's how we right. started talking to each other, right? Like what, like ten years ago, or something like that. Ten years, years ago. ago. Oh God. Yeah. I wow. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's. I think wow. it's like ten years ago next year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's knowing you too wow. long. Uh, yeah, I, I had a couple of like, <laughs> I had a couple of different blogs. I had like a literary blog that evolved into a publishing house. And, um, my personal blog was just like a lot of, a lot of selfies to try and like seduce 20 year old <laughs> girls at the time. Kind of makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> uh, and, um, anyway, so have you guys watched anything else good recently? Cause I just watched the daily wires new movie. You know, we're talking about women and femininity. What is a woman? I'm actually supposed to talk about this movie for um, somebody else's podcast on Monday. Oh. But I just watched this. And, That's a uh, fun one to talk about. I know. Well, Kino Corner <laughs> didn't want to do that show, so I'm, I'm substituting. Uh, have you guys seen this or, or heard about this? I've seen, like, the trailer, but it looked really tedious. Mm. Like, I, it's, a, it's like a debate that I, like, gives me a headache. And, I feel like, like it's just Matt, Matt Walsh being, like, yeah, called you. Yeah. <laughs> told, told you again. Hey, yeah. hey. like exploring Aren't these crazy. Hey, they're all crazy, right? Hey, but it's yeah, like exploring uh, questions that like anyone with half a brain already knows the answer to, and like stuff that's like really obvious. And like I don't know, maybe it's gonna be great. Like I might be talking nonsense, but I don't know. I just it's like I feel like there are people who are like really nerdy about this like specific issue in general, <laughs> and. uh I don't know. It's it's like I don't know. Everyone's tired of political discourse around these like specific social issues, and like watching a whole movie mm-hmm. about it just kind of feels I don't know <laughs> demoralizing. <laughs> right. There's only so many times you can endure watching somebody uh, essentially say, "Oh, a woman is a person who feels like a woman." Because yeah. that's real. Well, that's what I, the movie is. It's, it's thirty minute right. increments of that. It's like, oh, a new purple haired person coming in and saying, "A woman is whatever you want it to be. A woman is <laughs> a woman." You know, it's just like talking yeah. in circles. And it's- I read, I read like a, a short summary of it. Um, would you guys mind if I spoil the last scene of the movie? Go for it. Why yeah, I, I'm I not going to watch it. it. <laughs> spoil the ending to what is a woman? Yeah. So apparently the last scene is uh, Mr. Walsh in the kitchen with his wife and his wife is making him a sandwich, right? Because, Mm -hmm. of course. So she's making a sandwich and then he goes, so what do you think is a woman? And she goes, an adult female. And then the camera cuts to him and he goes, yeah, and that's it. No, no, that's not it. (laughs) No, that's not the full ending. Of course. Of course it is. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I sent you the link. You I, you want to pull it up real quick? 
We can uh, we can watch the ending. Can we watch? Yeah, let's okay. do it. It's gonna get clipped from <laughs> yeah. YouTube anyway. I'll send you guys a link okay. if you you get adventurous enough and want to watch a Daily Wire original. <laughs> um, oh my goodness! <laughs> Wait, do they have like a streaming service now? They do. Oh, yeah. Um, so they're getting into all the, like the original narrative content. Hans yeah. and I, one of the guys in our group, is like a first AD on all of their movies. So it's not really advantageous for us to be talking shit about these movies yeah, but we can't help it we can't help ourselves <laughs> we make it so easy um you know and this is like the third one that they've put out they put out a movie with vincent gallo called shut in earlier this year and i i initially was disappointed by that i've, I've grown to appreciate it a little bit more just because it's a pretty simple film uh they put out a superhero film uh with what's his name uh from princess bride and saw um, so? Carrie, yeah. yeah, you're muting yourself. Carrie Elwes or something. Yes, like yeah, that? yeah, yeah. Carrie Elwes. Carrie Irish last name. Mm -hmm. And that was not <laughs> so great. And now they've got one with Gina Carano that comes out in two weeks. Wow. It's a western. So in between, they decide to throw out this documentary, and I have a feeling that their scripted content is probably not performing in the way that they would like it to, and they're going to go more in that direction as opposed to making oh, counterculture scripted films you know mm. which i know my my uh my money on uh original content at the moment is definitely with apple uh you really? guys watch severance yeah you see severance oh no we just badmouth apple all the time on this show about how all their shows look fake they look like shows oh. in shows or movies they in do. movies they uh, have that like horrible like facebook aesthetic like that weird like clean interface that's yeah, like very smooth creepy <laughs> like <you know>? <laughs> I actually haven't watched anything on Apple, so I, I'm not criticizing uh, any of the content. <laughs> Severance was the one thing I was curious about because isn't that directed by Ben Stiller or it's helmed by yeah. Ben Stiller? Yeah, it's actually quite. It's actually like a decent sci-fi. Like it's not. It's not terrible. It's yeah, it's all. It, I'm surprised it isn't a kind of adaptation. It does. It really feels like on par with something like that would have been written by Philip K. Dick or something. It really has all of those kind of same explorations within themes of uh, consciousness and yeah all sorts of uh, trippy stuff and yeah. so well executed and it's um, a fun watch it's really fun, fun, watch. fun watch yeah really good but i was surprised too because i have apple it just seems yeah like there was another apple show we watched that we really liked i'm trying to remember what it was no we tried that m night Shyamalan one that but it was like terrible i don't know why <laughs> yeah it's the one where he's got like a creepy um like nanny oh yeah who, like steals a baby i don't know i don't remember <laughs> oh oh yeah i think i started watching that and was like yeah yeah know. a lot of their shows that, that severance one though I, I i think i saw the pilot only i think i downloaded a couple just to see uh because i've, I've read a lot of really good things about it and at least uh, aesthetically and the the um plot is also really interesting just because it's so mysterious that you don't really know what's going on at least from what i saw in the first episode i was like it ended and i was like what i, I think i'm more confused by like the end of it than than uh than uh, uh i was expecting or i was during the show but it's it's like a good way to bring you back to to episode two i guess but yeah it's, it's definitely one that i'll check out does uh christopher walken have a significant role on there or is that yeah more of a and he's great he's really good in it as yeah. well he's really really good in it it's, it's, like, it's always a pleasure to see like so like christopher walken and john turturro just like it have all these scenes together and it's just mm -hmm. like dude when do you get to fucking see like a couple of great actors like that just fucking <laughs> riff and have this fucking great uh share this great fucking uh stuff together great uh you know it's really yeah a yeah. treasure to watch <laughs> they, 
they forgot about him for like a good 15 years and just left him out of all sorts of mainstream pro- and now he's going to be in like Dune 2 in a, in a significant I saw role. that yeah playing? yeah yeah who is he playing uh, um, one of the like uh, like uh, one of the dukes or count like one is of the he in House Harkonnen is he like a bad guy I think so because that would be really cool if he was like a bad guy because he does bad guys really well mm-hmm. I think like I think his like villainous performances are kind of underrated. Last bad guy I remember him playing was in Balls of Fury. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh wow, what a pull! That came up I think recently because uh, we I, Hans, did you watch the the offer at all? Because they put Dan Fogel, who's the star of that movie, in there as Francis Ford Coppola, and that's a Paramount Plus original about the making of The Godfather, and it's just oh. I, I tried bad. Um, that's uh, oh yeah yeah it's it's uh, not what i was expecting at all it feels like a like a fan film thing like there's not not a lot of quality in the production and everyone seems like they're just doing an impression of an italian man <laughs> uh, so it's it, it's very uh what's house of gucci ish yeah i was gonna no, say similar to house, house of gucci. gucci no house of gucci was great don't even dare compare it to <laughs> oh you, you you thought I it was good seen it. if you I, think it was good then we'll we'll try it but i, I was like it's so funny what every so american blockbuster should be which is just over the top not too serious and pretty disrespectful to whoever the, the movie is actually based upon. <laughs> There's so many biopics now where it's like made made with approval from the estate of um, so and so, like the King Richard movie, for example. And that was mm. not even the worst example of that because they kind of make him out to be an asshole. But um, I'm just like so Gaudi? tired of... What? Wasn't Gaudi made with the, the daughter's approval? That was made with the son of Gaudi looking over uh, the director's show. Kevin Connolly, E from Entourage, directed that movie. <clears throat> It was supposed to be someone like, it was supposed to be a good director for a long period of time. And John Gotti Jr. was just like, nah, we're, we got to do this instead. Just not a creative person at all overseeing that film. And that's why that turned out to be terrible. We got to um, get the guy from Entourage. You know, Italian people love that shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So this right. is uh, the tragedy of the modern railway system on YouTube, mm-hmm. which is actually the movie we were just talking about a little bit ago, The Daily Wires. What is a woman? So this is the ending. This is the conclusion of the film we're spoiling this bow out now if you don't want to be spoiled hey i've been uh, meaning to ask you something uh-huh what is a woman an adult human female who needs help opening this? Oh, I forgot about that. Oh. There you go. Oh, oh, now watch. Ready? As he goes to open, they cut. It's open already. That they wasn't cut. Because he probably could not open the pickle jar. <laughs> on his own. The jar, you, you didn't even hear it pop. That shit was open already. You okay. Don't fool me, Matt Walsh, with your little arms. But- you know, you know exactly who this is for, just on the look of it, though, because it looks like Darman and it looks like Fullmark and it looks like, uh, you know, all that like Schlocky. weird daytime America like, made-for-TV movie. It looks like stock footage. Like, yeah, it really yeah. looks like stock footage. Like she's got her vegetables. She's like the little trad wife. Or like, like those Christian films as well. Yeah, they have like that the same. Kevin Sorbo or whatever his name is. Exactly. Like it has that vibe. Um, Definitely. I don't know. Is it just a cheap camera thing? Like what is it that makes it look, all of them look exactly like that. 
that? Like, what is it that like they do? The fluorescent light. Is it fluorescent lighting? Fluorescent lighting and just like a general flat composition of the shot. Yeah. They don't really care <laughs> about the background so much, but everything is well lit. Everything is yeah. in right. view. And it's all very white and bright and not like color toned at all. But also, you never yeah. know when they're using green screen because the backgrounds are so blurry yeah. that yeah, it yeah, just yeah. looks like a blob. So you're just like, all right, cool. I guess cool that you're sticking out of that background, but that looks horrendous. And it I'm looking at me the like, screen right now. And, it yeah. gives me like liminal space vibes, like that whole like jarring feeling. Of like, <laughs> There's like something off about this. Yeah, yeah. it's just weird. <laughs> so weird. But yeah, like, did you watch the whole, did you sit through the whole thing? Did you watch the whole movie? Twice. Yeah. Oh I my actually god. Did. Whoa. Yeah, I did last night and I was half paying attention, just kind of looking over my shoulders. And then I watched it again today when I got asked to uh, do a guest spot and talk about the movie. So I'm very well versed on this film. I, I you know, I, for for anyone who wants to be spoiled on the the future episode of Is It Kino that I do, I gave it three stars because I think it's effective enough as a documentary, um, but also just kind of a piece of shit documentary as well. It's very. Uh, it's like, I, I don't know. Uh, I'll save my thoughts for, for that episode, maybe. But it's exactly what you'd expect <laughs> it to be, is yeah. what I'll say. It's not Just... Dinesh D'Souza territory where it's like comically, you know, not, not well done. But um, it's typical. It's your standard documentary of that sort. Yeah, I, I feel like it's like wading into the cultural like gutter, like that kind of vibe. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, the, another one I can think of that was similar that a lot of people really seem to like was that that feeling when no GF documentary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, what were you what was your feelings about that? Uh, my feelings about that were, I think it was better used as a tool in the middle of 2020 uh, when you didn't have anything at all like that. And then you had a documentary that featured these types of characters. Uh, premiering at, I think it was South by Southwest, even though the festival got canceled, it got dumped on Amazon Prime. Um, and then they tried to bury the movie. Nobody bought it. Uh, it went to some niche Blu-ray distributor not long after that. Um, so I thought it was like a necessary film, but I didn't necessarily think it was a good film, if that makes sense. Mm. What, what did you think yeah, was, what wasn't good about it? I was Just... very bored by it. Yeah, there I, was no I, I form felt to like it, nothing... Really. I felt nothing for anyone, so it was very difficult for me to care about any of them or just be like, oh, my God, they're just misunderstood. No, it's just like, just fucking quit it. <laughs> just <laughs> stop. <laughs> just stop fucking whining. Yeah, well, you know, didn't like the just... cowboy dancing, dancing in, uh, yeah. what was he, by himself? Or was he dancing with somebody like his cousin or whatever at that dance hall in Texas, I think it was? <laughs> yeah. I feel like yeah. as a lot of these like uh, kind of political media outlet type things start to kind of enter into the streaming service game, this sort of thing is just going to become like a genre or it's going to become like an even more prominent genre that, than it already is. Like these sorts of like uh, single issue political documentary type things. Um, there was like a moment there back in the day with like people like Michael Moore and others who were like known for making the, like Adam Curtis, but I feel like it was like more sparse and I feel like it's just gonna have like an explosion in coming years, but I could be wrong. I, I could be wrong. Um, People yeah, really I, turned not... on Adam Curtis quickly, huh? What was the last documentary did he did where everybody was watching it, everybody was obsessed with it for a good month 
And then after that, I think he did a couple of podcast appearances, and people were like, "Yeah, the guy knows nothing." Fuck. He's a hyper normal. Hyper normalization. Oh, hyper normalization. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's a very it's good really... documentarian. A very good filmmaker. He's great documentarian. Like he's really good at putting footage and music and you know creating interesting contexts and stuff. But like, I didn't know that people had like turned on him or whatever. I I I noticed there's like a stark contrast between how he interviews and sort of like how he makes films. Like I feel like he puts a lot of his like depth in the films and is sort of very simple and plain spoken um, mm. when he's just talking, which is more, in- I find that way more compelling than if he was like super verbose, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I haven't heard him on any, on any podcast or anything. Um, I didn't, I didn't even know he did any. <laughs> I think he, uh, maybe he had popped on like red scare or something. And obviously yeah, I remember about he did the that. show. Oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah, I remember. he did a couple of those types of shows and just kind of recited like very, like simplistic liberal talking points. And I think it kind of killed the, the mystique around him, like where you're yeah. getting his direct thoughts as opposed to something that's laid out, uh, yeah. you know, as you're, as you're saying with like voice and composition to imagery and, and footage yeah. of the past. Um, yeah. What did you guys think of scary 61st? If you saw that. I haven't seen it. No, I've only seen clips again. I haven't seen, <laughs> I haven't seen, uh, seen, I haven't seen because I, I kind of, uh... it doesn't look like my type of, things if i'm like 100 percent yeah i was mm. really interested in the whole jeffrey epstein case and whatever but i just didn't feel like that film was really gonna contribute anything kind of meaningful <laughs> to <laughs> that topic uh, in any way so you're right you'll be right, be right yeah. Sure. yeah so i just kind of i just allowed it i was you know what's the point i saw the trailer and it just sort of looked like like when i was in like uni me because i went to film school me and my like female friends would get really high and like turn the camera on and just like uh, fucking yeah. film ourselves doing stupid shit and it kind of felt like yeah it looks that. like they ha- it looks like they had fun making it like i would never <laughs> put that out as like a film though like any of the stuff we did but it, i don't know maybe i don't know maybe it's great i haven't seen it though i haven't seen it what, what i enjoyed it i gave it i gave it a like, glowing review uh it's kind of um <laughs> it's got a bit of like giallo flair to it um if you're familiar with what you don't agree with that, Hans? What? No, no, that's fine. Yes, I think. What it's do you mean that's fine? No, no, you, you <laughs> on the show. You've listen. I, if I remember correct, Fair. you have only hardened in your negativity on that film since we originally talked about it. What, like yeah. a year well, ago? Well, I was. I, I don't think I was very positive about it. No, you weren't. I gave it half. So I gave it half a star. I gave it half a star <laughs> right. on Letterbox. I don't think that's I was right. very positive about it ever. It's so polarizing uh, from what I've heard. Like everybody either like hates it or loves it and like people have strong reactions to it so like yes yeah, spill the tea what what's the deal with from it? from a few of the sort of funny bits that i've seen and on, on clips and stuff it kind of feels a little bit like if you if you enjoyed red scares kind of humor in the podcast you might kind of enjoy some of the bits in this whereas if you don't really connect with their humor in the podcast then you're probably not gonna connect with it as a film at all that could be it. I, I've never listened to the show, so I'm not familiar with their type of humor at all. But I, I don't know if saying giallo is accurate or if you could say, oh, the director doesn't know how to frame a shot. I think oh, dear. It's like wow. it's one or the other, right? It's to the back, oh, look at the inspiration on this. That's very impressive. They were able to copy 
Italian directors that can't make movies, <laughs> or or this guy has no idea what he's doing. Like it, it's a, it's a mix of, of of those things. Or that's how it was. Well, that's that, look. Ooh. That's what they're going for with it. I think they accomplished that to a certain degree. But there's a certain kind of texture of New York filmmaking that exists right now at like a very micro budget level, and that's one film in that pantheon. Uh, another is Peter Vac's, uh movie Assholes, which came out in 2017. That's kind of a low key film that vinegar syndrome just uh put out recently where it's like these these people that all kind of live in the same uh bubble of manhattan have made these like 20 thirty thousand dollar film now i'm sure scary 61st the budget on that was much higher because they were shooting 16 millimeter but i thought it was i thought it was a pretty amusing film and uh not dissimilar to what i was saying about house of gotti uh, not house of gotti house of gucci excuse me uh <laughs> hopefully that'll be the sequel when they make that um <laughs> They are not respectful necessarily to the the victims of Epstein. They're kind of like mocking the entire uh, thing of it and not getting caught up in like, uh oh, we might get in trouble if we do this thing or that thing, which is something that was commonplace in the 70s and 80s. If you take a look at a movie like Star 80 starring Eric Roberts, directed by Bob Fosse, where they're covering the the murder of a Playboy playmate, Dorothy Stratton, they made that movie like a year and a half after she was killed. Like her body wasn't even cold yet, and they were casting Eric wow. Roberts as the killer in that that movie. Uh, and it's a very amusing, very funny film. They don't worry too much about, uh oh, you know, uh, you're gonna you're gonna make somebody upset by doing that. Scary Sixty First does a similar thing, and uh, for that, I can I can respect what it's going for. And I think some something along the lines of that is going to be much more effective in in fighting the culture war or whatever than I think producing a documentary called What Is a Woman or doing any any yeah. of these yeah. tfw no gf or uh, what was the amanda yeah. milius one the plot against the president you know they want to think you that mean, this is the alternative to everything that exists currently <laughs> but mm. it's not going to be useful as a tool because it's, it's just only like being balls crowd. to the wall and like making subversive art instead of doing like sort of ham-fisted political commentary which i definitely which i definitely agree with and i definitely do want to check out um the film i just like I don't know. I just seemed like I, I, I guess I wasn't like um, quite sure what it was going to be about, I yeah. guess, from mm -hmm. the trailer. Like I couldn't get like a feeling of what the plot was going to be or if there was any plot at all or like. Well, you mean the scariest 66 or the yeah, documentary about the, the scariest, yeah. Oh, the scariest, okay. yeah. Okay. yeah I, that's the reason why I didn't like jump to watch it immediately, but I'll definitely uh, I'll give it a shot. The, the best one I watched that kind of has that similar thing where it's sort of not the political not really political message or but whatever but i guess it was kind of associated around me too was uh ridley scott's the last duel yeah. oh yeah 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 that was very yeah, good yeah. and like that it's was really fucking good. intense man oh my god the yeah. end of that film was uh i've I've not felt like that at the end of a film like for a long time i felt <laughs> like that really managed to accomplish everything it's out to achieve but it also kind of talked about the sort of subject, I guess, the subject matter of like, not man versus woman, but this whole conflict that there seems to be within culture around like, you know, believing stories, hearsay, all of that kind of stuff. And well, it's about how justice like, and how everything like in between. Guilt and innocence is like adjudicated and whether the methods we like employ to find that out are ethical. Um, so like, instead of like a, a duel these days, we have like, 
publicly televised defamation suits <laughs> um, and everyone decides what's good or evil based upon that and yeah I've always thought art was like a better vehicle for commentary and oftentimes I don't know because I'm like a weird like mystical spiritual like retard um I feel like people who are making art like like Adam Curtis for instance they're like a conduit for something other than themselves so a message or a subtext or a theme that they might not even be anticipating might come out of whatever they're doing. And that's like why the creative process should be free and uninhibited. And anything that's like along those lines is something that I can embrace, even if it's stuff that like pokes at areas of my own personal sensitivities or whatever. And I wish more people had that, that like mind that mind frame, but I guess I'm more willing to be charitable when it comes to a film than I am with something as contrived as like a mm. documentary, like what is a woman or whatever. <laughs> like, I feel right. like I should save my cynicism for that more than I would for a film, mm. someone's attempt to like tell a story. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's just how I see it. <laughs> the only thing that I didn't like about The Last Duel is mm -hmm. that, you know, they present three three versions. They do the Rashomon mm -hmm. thing, but then then the end of it is, all right, well, you got Adam's story, you got Matt's story. And then they said, the truth, the truth. This is the true, ver the woman's version is the true version. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, uh, we, we could have gleaned, you know, yeah. Adam Driver's version is, is a stretch from reality, you know, um, just from watching it. But it, that felt like Fox meddling or whoever the, the, yeah. the studio was like, ah, you know. It would They're probably not be good it. if you you just threw that little bit That's in there so people know. Thinking. That's yeah. what I was yeah. thinking too, because I think it would have been a lot more impactful if it was left up to our own mm. minds and our own interpretation, because all three of those stories were are very plausible. Like the first one of, you know, the guy he sees himself as this heroic figure who was wronged, and Adam Driver sees himself as a Lothario, um, which could be his own delusions, but there are, you know, situations where there are mixed sexual signals and all of those different complicated things like that in itself is worth exploration and then obviously you have her version of events um and i feel like yeah it would have been a lot more impactful if it was left up to interpretation but because of the whole cultural edict of like believe all women i don't think that he could have gotten away with uh <laughs> leaving it up to <laughs> leaving it up to interpretation without having you know a bunch of controversy drum up around the film well right. it's just to play devil's advocate on that as well i think it is also perspectives around events that happen to her so like her then revealing it as what happened to her is kind of i get the justification or whatever or whatever to say it's the truth but I also don't do understand the criticism. Like, maybe it should just it, be, well, I can't even remember the character's name, like Madeline's perspective or whatever it was, instead of the truth. But it is kind of a dry hand job, though, right? Where you're just like, <laughs> okay, this is, this is better than nothing. But because I feel like when you get to the point where they say the truth, you're like, all right, so the two hours that I've watched before, then fuck it. So like the, the amount of investment that I put into this movie, yeah. it's worthless because now you're going to tell me the truth. And it's like, then why did I care about everything else? If you leave it open as like her story, then it's up to you to decide which one it is. So so you still care, you know, otherwise, it, at least that's how I felt when when yeah. the truth came out, the, the thing came out. I was like, oh, then why did you show us why, you know, so much shit happened in that? And yeah, I just felt like you don't trust our judgment or the audience's judgment to just figure it out themselves. <laughs> yeah definitely i i enjoyed it also because i'm like a sword and sandals girl as well like anything that's like 
dudes in armor i'm like there to like watch it i like i like fantasy and all of that like weird shit so. have you guys checked what, out think... the northman yeah yeah i didn't like it though disappointing no? disappointed mm. no I disappointing because really, it felt more like research than like a film which i know is like a, mm. a criticism that a lot of other people have made or whatever but it did i i felt like it was more him because he he's like really obsessed with being period accurate but that hasn't like tripped him up in a lot of his other films like a lot of his other films still have like great character development good atmosphere good narrative building this was it was visually stunning it was great to look at um the the thematic dimension was kind of weak the characters mm-hmm. were also kind of paper thin uh, the stakes were pretty fucking low as well. well. The stakes, the, he fucked up the stakes in the story. And I feel like, and the, comparing it to The Last Duel is actually kind of perfect because they're, I feel like narratively trying to achieve basically the same thing where like this thing happens, they give all of this other kind of context to something. And then there's this big payoff that is this epic fight between these two huge guys in this like great context with loads of stakes. And then you kind of compare how you actually felt at the end of both of those films. And I, I don't know who could say that they felt like the Northman had like a, a payoff like The Last Duel did. Yeah, it blew its load um, early in my opinion. It was confused with what it was trying to do at the end. I feel like the, either the studio or someone said he's got to make some other kind of decision and the ending got muddled and confused and it completely fucked up all the stakes mm. um, for the narrative. Uh and it also, yeah, it did feel just like they kind of, um, they were like, do your do your thing kind of, but also rein in a little bit because we want to make some make, fucking money. Yeah, and we're gonna, <laughs> we want to make, make like a- movie. <laughs> like get rid of all that like weird, like art house bullshit that you do and just like make a fucking a Hollywood movie. And that's why it felt kind of tonally all over the place for me. And um, yeah, the research is cool. Like, it's cool that they're like authentic Viking chants and like, yeah. fucking yeah, that's all great. But like, give me characters, like give me a story. That's like literally all I, I care about. Um, I like that he's getting a little cast together, kind of like, like, like a Tarantino or something where he's kind of got people that he's going back to joy. for. Yeah, well, I think also uh, William Defoe is in it for like oh, a, yeah, a random was, bit yeah, part. And the, the, he's very good in, in the very limited capacity that he's yeah, in the he's, film. He's, in like, he's, he's great. fucking great. He's wonderful in everything. And also the, the surly fucking British guy, I still can't remember his name, that's from The Office, that's in uh, the main oh, guy yeah, in, played, uh, in The Witch. Played, Finch on the office. Finch. Yeah, yeah. yeah Finch in the office. He's mm. he was in he was then also in a little bit part yeah. in the in the Northman. So I like how he's getting these little cameos in this little little Eggers universe. Well, what together. was your appraisal? What were you? What did you guys think about it? I I really I, uh... enjoyed the Northman because I typically hate all like anything from that era, any sort of period piece before like the 20th century. I'm just gonna have a headache trying to oh. watch that. I can't believe so. It. Uh, I I quite enjoyed it. I actually did not really like uh, the lighthouse. I I'm a dissenter oh. in that that category. So I liked his more mainstreamy wow. kind of general audience uh, feature. I haven't seen. The, I own the witch. I have not seen the witch yet. So oh, uh, you got it. You, you got it. Brilliant. I'm, I'm gonna get around to it. Uh, I guess maybe it's just us like being like crusty like a24 like <laughs> like give us like give us the the juice or whatever but yeah i i like it i like that it was and i can admit like it was like his first like big blockbustery thing so like hopefully he gets more money to make more things because i really like him 
Well, um, this bombed, right? This was a tremendous loss of money. The Northmen did not perform it. well at the box office. And there were articles saying, like, oh, this is why you shouldn't allow auteurs to have $100 million, but, or whatever they were saying, like trying to make up whatever excuse to put their money into Spider-Man movies for the next 10 years. <laughs> no way. It's better, even, oh, though it was, even though I thought it had issues, it's better than, like, 90% of shit that's, like, constantly pumped out. So I'd rather money was going towards... Well, it's because 90% that's of the shit that's pumped out is exactly what Laura's just saying. It's all fucking Superman shit, man. Yeah. It's all fucking, it's all uh, superhero stuff. Yeah, that's it's another like... thing we're really bad on. We, I, we don't remember the last Marvel movie we watched. It was probably... Guardians no, of the Galaxy thing. 2. That's not bad. That's because, terrific. Uh, that means that yeah. your brains are probably healthy and compared <laughs> at all. It um, was it was the Guardians of the Galaxy one because they had it on at my work and before, it was just like well yeah let's watch it then. before that though it was probably like the very last Iron Man like Iron Man two that was the last one I saw and I was probably like fifteen or something yeah but other than that like I'm kind of out of touch with that whole it's really weird as well like meeting lo- meeting like people just through like mutual friends or whatever going to bars and like trying to sort of you know get out and stuff. And you're meeting people. Like, oh yeah, what what movies have you been? Watching? Oh man, have you watched the new Doctor Strange? No. Mm. Have you watched the Have you watched this fucking the Justice League? Or like you're like, no, dude. I don't watch superhero stuff. Well, Do you watch I, anything someone else? Someone on this like, panel went to the theater to go see Doctor Strange uh, recently. Yeah. yeah. I would. Wa- uh, I would watch it. Too. I wanted to see. I wanted to see what Sam Raimi would be allowed to do yeah. Marvel's shit. And uh, yeah, was, I like Sam Raimi. Yeah, he, he did it. He did it with Spider Man. What are you? What are you looking for? He did yeah, it with Spider Man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> compared to, like, com- compared no. to all the other trash that I have watched, just because I hate myself, uh, at least this one had like a little bit of style that seemed different. Yeah. Uh, every other one just feels like a different episode of the same series. So it's just I'm a- I'm also into all my like magical like wizard occult shit. Like I'm a big Alan Moore fan, so I would I would give it a go. And I like Sam Raimi as well. Like. Um, Oh, I love Sam the Raimi. last film he did that I really, I really enjoyed that I didn't think I would was Drag Me to Hell because I felt like the whole thing was like tongue in cheek in this like really yeah. delightful way, um, and it was sort of making fun of like elder millennials, like <laughs> and their sociopathy. Like the her, the character was sort of like a sort of archetypal like millennial like girl boss woman, and then right. she goes through this like horrible curse until the end she's like completely selfish. Um, it was just great. I really loved it. I, I wish he would do more things like that, like more like little random horror films, because I feel like that's when he's at his best. And that's like when he like shines the most. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I'm hoping that this paycheck that he got for this, he uses it for smaller projects like that, because that's his interesting movies. What, what was the last one he did? Uh, the, uh, the Oz movie? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> did, Oz, that was a yeah. piece. Boy, I <laughs> yeah. went to see that one too. You know what though? I'm very excited cool to see to that one. James Franco come back. I miss James Franco. Is he coming back? He's got, what uh, happened to him? What I'm totally out he, of the loop. He ran a school for molesting ladies <laughs> <laughs> in New York. He would do things that was, like that was um, the he would that was be like story. All right, so we're gonna do an acting lesson today. I, uh, so I'm gonna do a one-on-one lesson with you and uh, perform uh, oral sex on you, and that's gonna be the lesson. And you just have to kind of. Uh, act it out as I'm gonna do this, and then he got in trouble for that. 
So he did that yeah. with like too many girls, and then Weird. he didn't call them back. <laughs> that's, that's they weird. got mad, yeah. and then they started running. And he was like, "This is a this this is an enunciation exercise. You need to put my penis in your mouth and then pronounce these words <laughs> <laughs> for whatever reason. <laughs> for whatever reason, that was not." He didn't give voice. out enough parts. He clearly yeah. wasn't making <laughs> enough movies, right? Yeah. Like, uh, oh my so gosh. They, See, that's where Weinstein, Weinstein was smarter than him because at least Weinstein got them the role. Weinstein so did like, That's right. He yeah. followed yeah, through. <laughs> so that's why they were quiet for like 20 years, right? Because you will well, win the Oscar the for exactly. Shakespeare right. in Love if you, sh- yeah. if you like comply. If you rub my, yeah. if you rub my no nuts, <laughs> you can, you can, uh, yeah. Or no, he wasn't even that difficult. It was just like, hey, could you watch me shower? Could you just stand yeah, there and watch me take a bath? You know, he was it's a so infantile. Guy. Like, whose sexuality is that? Like, what did they, didn't, didn't they say? You're, some... you're like getting off from some lady watching you take yeah. a shower. Like... Didn't they say some mad shit? Like, he had both genitals and stuff. Well, he's like... so fat. I think that his stomach <laughs> and his balls that? just kind of merged into <laughs> a vagina. Wait, what? Yeah. He has like a mangina. Who said? Wait, I wait. remember there being some really wild like fucking headlines about like his yeah. dick and balls, or about there being even like both down there all sorts of fucking crazy shit british newspapers are fucking wild so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they are actually. it wasn't a vagina it was just a, a belly under his <laughs> yeah. it was the it was it was the gunt just yeah. making that little uh, nice little pouch there. so wait james franco is coming back what, so is, what is his a couple of, a couple of these me too guys are coming back all at once it seems like so james franco kevin spacey kept yeah okay um, Hans, oh I sent God. the trailer to our group chat a while back for Kevin Spacey's new movie. We should watch that right now because that <laughs> is an unbelievably so uh, like lower than Hallmark Channel level of, of film. Uh, I could not believe just how poorly made uh, this movie oh, looks. Really? He's doing his House of Cards accent and everything. And I just oh, got no. sent um, Louis C.K.'s new movie's trailer. Yeah, I saw. Like an hour before um, for 4th of July. And I didn't really watch i watched it on mute so i haven't checked that out did you say you you, you watched it jake it came up on my recommended i haven't seen it so if you want to watch it i'll be up for watching that as well all right terrific all right let's sh- just take a look at all the canceled guys new movies this year this be great. <laughs> oh, well, i that, don't know if- that uh that louis ck one I'm, I'm trying to find the for whatever reason that trailer the it's the movie's called the man who drew god uh Are for whatever sure? reason isn't that what that is? That's what, Louis C.K. Kevin or Kevin Spacey. Spacey? No, Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. Uh, it's just an upcoming drama film like the Italian movie. Is that it? No, 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 no. He's working with Franco Nero in Italy, and that's probably what you're getting. Um, let me see if I can find the attachment there. No, it's some movie with like a, like a 90s actress who was popular on procedurals during that time. Uh, and he plays a hitman in it. We're looking to. Oh God! So he. We're is all like on the search. We're on a mission to find the cringe. Is it gore? No, he doesn't. No, it's not himself. gore. Peter five uh, eight. Is it Peter? It's Peter five eight. It's Peter five eight. That's right. We yes. Found it. Okay, perfect. Oh, that's right. That that title doesn't sound very. <laughs> How exciting! Um, so yeah, I could not believe the the level of competency, and I believe it premiered at Cannes. Uh, oh, which was kind of surprising. Kind of seemed like it might have just gotten in there because somebody likes Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Well, know? sexual scandals don't really affect the French in their opinion of filmmakers, do they? Like, yeah. it seems like those those sort of connects aren't going to go away. Right. If, uh, 
even if you've done something pretty horrendous. Well, it, it seems like recently um, they've just decided to punish Roman Polanski by not distributing his new film. They said, no, no, nobody's going to buy this new movie. It's been like 55 years since. Yeah, I was about to say, oh, it only now. took them a bit late. The funniest yeah. thing in the world, though, is hearing French people talk about wokeism. They call it like wokeisme. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so funny. And like, yeah, their sexual mores are like different. Like their president is like married to his like teacher mommy. Or That's whatever, right. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they just do a, it. What's that actor? The kick-ass actor? Aaron Taylor. Aaron something. Taylor yeah. Johnson. He took his yeah. 55-year-old wife's last name. That's great. Yeah. 22. Yeah. 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 He's a young man. Shit. All right. So we're trailer. gonna take a look here at Peter Five Eight, uh, 2022, thriller. Movie. Once I chose what I wanted to do in life, I was going to be the very best in the world at it. And it's a love witch. <laughs> yeah, yeah it literally the same every shot. He's like a creep in a car. <laughs> what is on his head? <laughs> I found it. Oh my God! What the fuck is that on his head? I'm actually in the He's put on like a quite a few pounds since his last role. Yeah, he can hardly be a really filled out. Mm -hmm. Every agent in this office knows that we'd be lost without you. Oh, well, stop it. Whoa. Whoa, dude. <laughs> <laughs> How the mighty have fallen, dude. I await your next dispatch. Oh, 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 one second. Is he talking to a picture frame? <laughs> <laughs> it's a... Uh... Hold on. That's a screen, right? That... Why did they stretch oh, yeah. it like that? Why did they do yeah. the, like, Spike Lee Nike commercial from 1999 with the face? <laughs> Do you think these lights are natural or are they added afterwards? They look kind of... It all it looks, looks natural like, yeah. to me. I think they just <laughs> set up the camera and went with it. Yeah, it looks like they was shot on film, so right? You and I have a couple of drinks. Ooh. No one Whoa. buys that he's like a straight man. What is going on? No. This is, this is obscene. Whoa, whoa, hold on. Wait, you don't think this... Well, like, this stance oh is very masculine. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't that look like a hitman that's hunting you? <laughs> this oh turtleneck. Goodness. I want to know about your friendships. Sam is just a name you made up. Back then, you were called something else. What? It's all coming back, isn't it? He's wearing a turtleneck in every scene, by the way. That's what hitmen wear. The past <laughs> All those evil things haunt me. So, the, I mean, we've seen the movie. We just right. saw they do, the whole movie. They do detail it beat by beat. Impact you. font, was, sign of quality. Nice. He has like a beer belly. No drop shadow or anything. That's what, that's back in the morning. That's not what she used to look like, by the way. I don't know, that face. Well, people age. Walk away from here before it's too fucking late. <laughs> that cut. That little... Hold on, I need to watch that again. Hold on. Wow. Wow. It looks Jeez. like a null.
It looks like a Nollywood movie. It does look so bad. Like that explosion has like Nollywood vibes, definitely. Almost kind of like um, a mature Neil Breen kind of energy. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's yeah. a good call. Yeah. Or it's yeah. like. He's seen it way too much too. Like if he was doing like an Eric Roberts type of thing where he's just on in a room that has nothing to do with the movie and he's just performing through in a room, you know, that's not no, he's in the whole trailer. So that's his movie. You know, it's not like he's just doing it, you know, I needed a a quick paycheck. No, this is like a full performance for <laughs> this, this is his return. This is his big comeback. Is here's me having straight Sex with a woman. Here's me assassinating someone. Here's me having sassy back chat. Here's me like doing literally every fucking thing. We literally like two days ago. It's really funny you bring this up because two days ago we were like we watched American Beauty, um, okay, which is definitely a movie that couldn't be. I hadn't seen that film. Before. He hadn't that was, seen like, it before either. Time, yeah. yeah, and like there's the scene where he's like fucking the 16 year old girl, and I I just I forgot the whole movie existed, and I forgot that half the plot. Is that this 16 year old girl is like, I really want to fuck your dad. And I'm gonna make it my mission to like fuck your dad throughout this whole movie. And he's like, Yeah, I want to fuck her back. And it's just like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> like, that yeah, was Marine, common... the, the Marine neighbor is like a huge gay, but he's very masculine. But yeah, yeah. It's like and then when... the fucking weird boy that lives next door like films oh, yeah. the girl get undressed and then she like falls in love with him and he shows her his like weird like art film that has like Aphex twin in the back and like a fucking paper bag floating around <laughs> and I was like what is this movie like there's just something about that era of film that's just like like that movie Donnie Darko right. there are quite a couple oh, that sort of yeah. fall into that aesthetic and there's just some there's just I can't I can't imagine anything like that ever like happening again they were just so they were like dark thematically, but like also, I that, don't know. That whole end Can't with him, it. like with that young girl or whatever, was so fucking uncomfortable, man. <laughs> yeah. Like literally, I was yeah. just like, what the fuck are you watching right now? This is like <laughs> ridiculous if this goes through. And then it was kind of relieving the uh, spoiler alert, you know, he the ending or whatever. Well, um, the most unbelievable part is that there was a world where men and women wanted to fuck Kevin Spacey so bad <laughs> that, right. that they were willing to come out of the closet or, you know, break the law. Yeah, like well, it was it, a lot of it happened in London at this theater called um, the Old Vic, which yeah. is like a really historical theater. And he had like a residency at the Old Vic. Um, and I had a friend who was working there uh, during the time when he had his residency and he told me some pretty crazy stories. Well, now to make up for it, <laughs> apparently there's like some militant group of leftists that kind of like <laughs> call the shots on like a lot of the theatrical stuff that goes on there now. Yeah. And they tried to cancel Terry Gilliam and like a whole bunch yeah. of like great, great creators and people that were just like, yeah. what is really yeah. your... Like this is a place here, where like... people like Laurence Olivier used to perform, and now it's like the place where Kevin Spacey like molested a bunch of people, <laughs> and <laughs> also where militant leftists are canceling uh, Terry Gilliam. So yeah, that's, that's yeah. The shit we have to deal with Terry Gilliam. We were just talking about fear and loathing. They're on fucking assholes. <laughs> yeah, I get. I guess you know they'll find any reason. If they come through, yeah, it was it was literally one of those things where I think he had just like said he had said something about cancel culture and its uh, effects on comedy and writing, you know, 
stuff and create being creative in a in a time like this where everyone's so sensitive is really irritating <laughs> and it's not funny which is the opposite of his kind of you know time period of like well like when he was making great films i guess in like the 70s and 80s um and then they like, like really didn't like that he, he's like, oh grumpy old white man moaning about cancel culture it's very mild criticism too like he didn't yeah go, like deep enough into anything well like, no that they'll do that and then like oh and how many black people was terry gilliam cast in his movie and how many have had yeah. like female leads like, and all of, and you're just like fucking... well fuck dude there wasn't any chicks in monty python like that's not, <laughs> it's not his fucking fault <laughs> The most egregious, I think, version of that has been like the whole Chris Pratt thing. Uh, I don't know if you guys follow it. Like it, it the, I, the the one that comes to mind is he put up like an Instagram post or something because they just want some reason to go after that guy, even though he keeps to himself and he's just in these very boring, mundane blockbuster movies. Uh, I think he like was like, "Oh, I'm I'm so proud of my wife for giving birth to our healthy baby boy." <laughs> And apparently he had like yeah. a child with Anna Faris, who was his ex-wife, and that kid had a disability of like a not anything too serious, I, I believe. And they were like, "Can you believe this?" He said, "Healthy baby boy." The, could you believe he would do this to Anna Faris and their child from before? Because that's a clearly disabled kid. Disgusting. They need to fire him at Disney immediately. And they just oh built God. this giant headline out of "Healthy baby boy." It Jesus. was ableist remarkable. and assuming that baby's gender. I mean, yeah. that's <laughs> a, a double step. But even then, I think it's all, isn't he like a Christian or something? Yeah, I was going to say, that's the one like, thing I, I heard that them that's trying to the come for. Why they're trying to, because they can't really go for him on like the grounds that he's a Christian. Right. But it still annoys them that he's like, no, I think a it was Christian the... because it means he can, he probably holds conservative views. No. And I, th I think it makes them mad that they can't do anything to punish him for that. I so think... they just like, try to find anything i think is that he belongs to that same like creepy church that just yeah and they like had a whole bunch of like anti-gay and like yeah but scientology like half like of that. hollywood belongs to scientology and they're like fat shit crazy too but yeah everybody's sucking tom cruise's dick this week because of top gun oh top gun yeah. save the movies top gun is the number one movie in america everybody just forgets that like they allow him to kill in Scientology, like everybody's agreed, yeah, we'll cover it up if Tom Cruise wants somebody to. Do it. <laughs> He's so powerful. Like he could, like probably have you disappeared if you. I I I did hear that if you, if you even bring any of that Scientology shit up around him, like you're fucking gone. Yeah. Wow. Like if you're in like catering or a few whatever, and you thought it might be funny or whatever, like. You're done, mate. You'll never work in this town. <laughs> Literally, you never work in this town again. Kid. Yeah. You learned his lesson, right? After the mess he made with Oprah when he jumped on that couch and and had that very famous clip of him just, I love her so much. Just Whoa. going crazy yeah. about his love of Katie. What is it, Katie Holmes? Katie Holmes. That, that had serious. Uh, that serious. Fox. Yeah, I think that that's hot. <laughs> I think she deserves uh, Jamie Fox after years and years of. <laughs> captivity he piped for her. he piped down because that had serious uh that had serious ramifications for him because then leah remini piped up and like started making reports on tom cruise and doing all this and started making a fuss and then she obviously left and then made a whole massive fucking stink when she left and started doing all those documentaries and then that was kind of around the time that hbo did going clear and then louis through did his and stuff so she was kind of the the first one to kind of start that new wave of like let's investigate Scientology because yeah. 
it's happened many times throughout the decades. It's yeah. not like a, a new thing either. Yeah. And there's so many famous faces that are involved in that whole uh, uh, what would you, religion, I guess. Uh, yeah. Like the whole, you know, we don't get sued. Family is part of that. Uh, who else? Hans, who's your favorite Scientologist? John Travolta. Beck. 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 Beck yeah, yeah, Beck. Yeah, Beck yeah. Beck is a Scientologist. Elizabeth uh, Moss as well. Yeah. She's a Scientologist. Um, that girl from that 70s show. Loads of them Donna, from the 70s show. Donna or whatever her name is. Yeah, she's also a Scientologist. And Hyde. Is he really? Yeah, a whole bunch of them were, well, I'm pretty sure, in the 70s show. Something oh. else. Yeah, right exactly. Now, right? yeah exactly. <laughs> he didn't get a free pass. premiere at Cannes this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Another. He, got, he did a little bit. Of, he did a little bit more than James Franco, right? Just a. Oh. <laughs> Another stupid thing that Jake tried to make me watch this week was like Jackass, like the new Jackass movie. Oh, what'd you think yeah. about that? <laughs> I, I only managed to get about an hour and a uh, an hour in or something because you uh, you made me shut it off. <laughs> but, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I thought it was really. Um, it was, you're like retarded. I, I watched the four point. I watched the four point five. So it's kind of like the movie, but then with them kind of talking in between it and everything as well. And, I um, much like that one. Four point five. Yeah. I thought that was a whole lot because the thing I really didn't like about this new Jackass is they give us a bunch of new people, and they yeah. kind of just let you figure out what their role is based off of the stunts and all that. And four point five was much more transparent. Just like ah yeah so. Uh, we found this person through this YouTube video, and Johnny Knoxville thought yeah. this girl was hot and was stalking her Instagram profile, invited her to the set in his hotel room, and now funny. she's part of the cast. She, oh, yeah, no, she, that's what they said. She's funny. She's funny. Even though they don't show her doing anything funny in neither of, like, in 4, 4 or 4.5, she, what, she falls once, I think. But that she's is so true. Funny. She, she mm, literally does, like, the introduction for bits, but then kind yeah. of steps away and doesn't get hurt or participate you know, in them part more. of the reason why it's hard for women to be funny in my opinion is because it's not very ladylike you know i thought you were gonna say getting hit in, in the tits is hurts more than getting <laughs> hit in the balls i was gonna yeah. absolutely it's challenge you to it's that hard to be hot and funny at the same time which is why a lot of the women who are really funny aren't like hot women they're like like a lot of really funny women are like lesbians or so they're not like at all they don't care about appealing to the male gaze like at all or they're just women that aren't considered conventionally attractive by because they don't have to like they can be more free if you know what i mean right. but if true. you're concerned because being hot as a woman since we we're talking about the love witch which was like the whole theme of it like being it requires a lot of like control if that's the thing that you're preoccupied with mm. you can't really let go and like express other aspects of yourself which is the reason why i feel like there's like it's hard for a woman to like exist in a context like jackass because you're expected mm -hmm. to be hot while at the same time doing like crazy stunts. Why are you expected to be hot though? Why is that expectation? Because it's like, it's who's, like who's you're... watching the film? Like, what do they want to see? Who's yeah, of, of course. But I, I still feel like see and, you know, if a, if a, if a chick was able to do that physical comedy, then like <laughs> it would work and it would be fine. I wouldn't have a problem with them trying to introduce chick and her actually. Even I think, if she wasn't I hot. think it would have been better if she actually did partake in some of yeah. the physical well, comedy rather than just, about oh, this. look at the guys doing this fucking funny, funny shit and if I'm just going to step back. If you had someone who looked like Amy Schumer, for example, yeah. now, it, you know, there's a lot of stunts on Jackass where it's like you see a guy's dick and it's always really gross. 
You know, so <laughs> just like, like a nude Amy Schumer popping up on the set of exactly. Yeah, but, who, what, what, but women, we have our vanity. And yeah, what, what woman, is it like the what the labia would be the joke? Like, like sure. yeah, oh, look right. how I pull my look how I pull my lips. Like, is that the even, joke? Like, even that women who aren't like even women who aren't like ten out of ten. Like, we all have our like vanities, and you're not going to find many women that are going to mo- want to mortify their flesh to the extent of that. Like, not every woman is like a Lena Dunham. Like, I feel like Lena is like a special breed of like neurosis that like allows her to like be so exhibitionist in that way. I feel like if Melissa McCarthy or Lena Dunham. <laughs> had done the hot sauce like colonoscopy or whatever the fuck that would have been fucking hilarious no, dude, you, can't, you can't have a woman do shit like that that's like yeah, not you're right gonna, you're gonna throw right. melissa mccarthy instead of porta potty and and shake it around so she <laughs> shit. <laughs> like, i have a movie career that's so awful but that's the reason why i think that and i, I feel like women just stop complaining about it when it comes to comedy, like you either have to go full out balls to the wall and like have no hang ups or just like not at all. I, I feel like know. that's how it is. But you, all the all the funny, especially even modern American female comedians, if you're thinking about any of them, none of them are like you would put their looks as the first thing. In Whitney there. Cummings. Uh, yeah, but she's Silverman. not funny. Like that's Sarah the one with Whitney Cummings. One. Is, uh, she's the least uh, funny one. What's her one. face in her heyday? Chelsea Handler or whatever. Like, well, you, I'm just, you told me the other day your childhood crush was Wanda Sykes, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's no. <laughs> that's a good pull. No, no, no. Like it's easier because no. she's Wanda Sykes, a lesbian, not concerned yeah. with the male gaze. Or you have like homely, right. chubby female yeah. comedians. Yeah, I'm, talk- I'm talking like you know like, Ro- Roseanne Barr. Yeah, that's Tina, what I'm saying. Even homely. like Tina Fey. Uh, what's her name? The the blonde one that was in Parks and Rec. I, Amy. Amy uh, but they're Amy not like they're. Kristen pure... Wiig. She's yeah. not like a looker, but she's one of the fun. She's a funny. But because of that, because of that. that, they they can let go more. I'm saying that in the context of Jackass, the girl has to be hot as well as able to do slapstick comedy and that's like a difficult yeah, thing to balance it's, it's like difficult, it's not yeah not an easy and when, it, when it comes to those actresses that you mentioned uh the reason why they're funny or the reason why they get those roles is because they're not afraid of like looking gross or looking yeah. unattractive yeah exactly uh, if if the role was to still look attractive and still have the i don't know the bridesmaid scene where melissa Gar- mccarthy has diarrhea like <laughs> i don't think it would you know hit as 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 much as well you have of course she's the fat gross one so of course she's gonna shit herself you know so it kind of fits <laughs> that, that uh, so it goes with it but but uh yeah, it has, oh yeah I don't know. i'm, I'm trying i'm trying to think of who plays like hot hot girl in movies and is funny and uh yeah who's a hot girl that's like gross and funny uh, and like does it well what's it in uh, there are a few i think annie uh and fucking what's it in the woody allen's film she's like not hot but for 70s i guess she's kind of like good looking but she's not doing gross stuff what like annie hall no the the, the chick that plays uh, annie hall like uh you know there was like woody allen's like wife for a while wasn't she like, uh, you know? mia farrow yeah, yeah, I thought Alan versus Farrell was a laugh riot, personally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that was like... Uh... That was fucking grim, man. She's that terrifying. Was really she, she, I don't know anything about anything, you know, but her eyes are terrifying to me. I see her eyes and I see just a monster somewhere in there. She looks nuts. She reminds me of uh, an ex I had with BPD. Oh, oh no. God, those the gingers with the oh, eyes. No. Oh, 
God, it's did terrifying. You, did you did you see her black daughter thing? Where oh yeah, like... <laughs> yeah, Mia Farrow black daughter. She googled Mia what? Farrow black daughter to post what? about her daughter on Twitter. Hans, yeah. can you pull this up real quick so we can show the, <laughs> so the video audience? It was so funny. This she was an actual to... tweet, and it's from yeah. like the 2012 era of Twitter. You know, where it was still yeah. pretty innocent. People still yeah. caught it, reposted it for generations to come. <laughs> Here yeah, it is. there you go. It's not even her Mia daughter. It's and her Mia black and her children. black children. That's worse. <laughs> she was trying to like celebrate her daughter's birthday, yeah. like, and then she googled Mia Farrow and her black children as a way of finding a picture of her black daughter. Wow, which is so disturbing on so many levels. That's like, it's like fucking. <laughs> she she didn't like have one in her phone. <laughs> Hold on, is this is this one real too? Her like accessory. Oh yeah, Shaq goodness. is actually her her eldest. Hans. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. She does look crazy, man. I mean, she's been through a lot by the sounds of things. Oh my goodness! Well, I don't um, know. It's BPDism is like a it's like a hot button subject these days because you when something's like obviously BPD, you feel bad about saying it just in case it's not. That's like the whole like moral gaslighting thing that's going. It's like the whole Amber Heard thing, mm-hmm. which is why I laughed out loud because there was this a part in her tri- in the trial where her psychiatrist came out and said that she was diagnosed borderline and histrionic, and I was like, oh no way. Case closed. Shock- okay, Johnny's innocent. Fifteen <laughs> <laughs> million. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's yeah. That was a, it. Was a really disturbing documentary for sure. The the whole alan farrow family dynamics like let's leave all the molestation aside is very confusing (laughs) and peculiar there's so many like children that are allegedly his but look nothing at all like him or they just started adopting children after a while instead of that yeah you wonder i don't know even though he was like i don't really like give a shit about children and that was his whole attitude pretty much for Mm -hmm. until a certain point in his relationship with Mia Farrow when he sort of like I don't know. I hate children, but this Soon Yi one is very there's well, something this one's different Chinese. about her. But then he, she also <laughs> this said, one's Chinese. <laughs> he also took the documentary also said that he took a liking to Dylan Farrow, that he was uninterested in children until he bonded with his own biological daughter, because isn't Dylan his biological daughter or no, I think no, she's adopted, no, but she's... then he bonded. He bonded with her more or something. That was kind of the narrative that was put forward. So he had an incident. So according to yeah, the because, documentary, because, it was both Sunyi and Dylan. Because she, Mia Farrow started adopting kids while she was in a relationship with Woody Allen and him basically being like, hey, pff, you do what the fuck you want. I'm, that, that shit's nothing to do with me. If you want a fucking kid and you want to adopt it, that's fine. But I don't expect literally... <laughs> anything from me any kind of commitment any kind of responsibility to be shared because that's not what i fucking want she's like yeah okay fine i don't care i'm gonna adopt these kids and then started to like build a relationship with them which is kind of creepy i don't know but also it's just kind of natural because if someone if you're if someone you're with has got kids you're gonna end up building they're gonna be around i don't know hollywood relationships all sound like they're batshit crazy and like yeah. riddled with like dysfunction um yeah. there's been a lot of <laughs> A lot of stories, I don't know if they were featured, I haven't seen the documentary, uh, about her, like, misdeeds with the children as well. 
Did they get into that at all? Because there were a couple of like I think oh, no. a- accusations or something that were against her. Not sexual abuse, as far as I know, but uh, just some weird things. It's very difficult so for Woody Allen because I mean, if there was one guy who looked absolutely like a pedophile, you know, it would be <laughs> it would be him. So I don't know. Even if he was like completely innocent. That look, it's it's just a very hard sell. Like, good luck well, navigating the last six years <laughs> of your life. Not, like not even just the not even just the look. Like, a, a, quite a few of his films, like the central theme is around an older man, like his eye getting taken by an oh, inappropriately yeah. younger woman, and him pursuing that. And then the comedy comes from the fallout of the situation. Um, That's been some the of last those couple of movies of his as well, where it's like an older director and yeah. there's a young guy and she's, you know, he, he's got a girlfriend or something. The, the Steve Carell movie he did and then he got like Levi Schreiber and they're all surrogates for him at a certain point in his life. And they all <laughs> seduce these like 18, 19 yeah. year old girls. Uh, he, he does repeat a lot. He makes the same movie over and over, even just like outside of that aspect. Um, there's like four or five of his movies, which are essentially just like clones of one another with like little tweaks yeah. made here and there. So I don't know. He's just got the same pathologies when it comes well, to filmmaking and writing, you know, the first one I, I think I remember, and I actually really enjoyed that film kind of before everything. I still kind of enjoy his movies. I'm not one of those people, but yeah, can't watch those films now that I kind of know about what he's like as a person or whatever. But it was in like 2001 with uh, Larry David and uh, right, I think yeah. Scarlett Johansson. Like, so he's been making that film for fucking 20 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then all of this stuff comes out. It's like, well, I mean, you know, there was there were some signs. Let's not. I wasn't even aware they made like Larry David, this charming, uh, seductive figure to Scarlett Johansson in that movie. I haven't seen that one. <laughs> I only started watching his movies kind of recently because they're all on like a good chunk of them from the 70s to the early 90s. Uh, they uploaded to Tubi, which is like a mm. free movie platform that comes installed on everything, like every cable box, every fire stick oh, cool. or, or anything like that. So I just got into a bunch of like obscure films of his uh, that he had shot from the late 70s to the early 90s. And they're very hit and miss. Some of them mm. are, are pretty good, but it just feels like like uh, like an ongoing television show where just the theme of it changes every episode. Yeah. So I don't know. I think he's fine as a director. I don't think he's overrated or underrated. I think he's probably perfectly rated. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I don't know. I, I, I still have a lot of his movies to check out. He did like a, a film a year, almost like yeah. 50, 40 years in a row, which is very impressive output. That is it's incredible. Is why there's a lot of repetition between yeah. the movies, yeah. right? And hit and miss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's like the Stephen King effect mm-hmm. in that sense. Like it, it has like a similar kind of thing. Like it is exactly, industrial process. It's exactly right. that. Because the, his ones that are hits, I feel like are fucking hits. Like they are almost like, you know, for what they're trying to do, like kind of perfect movies. And so like you can't really fault no, got... the ones that do hit like that. But then there are 20 films well, I got in sober, between right? those ones that yeah. are like, what the fuck? Okay, I mean, I kind of get it. Like, yeah, all right. Yeah. He, he got sober and forgot what writing was like. <laughs> like, yeah, now he's obsessed with putting politics on everything. So it's, I mean, I guess he kind of, mm, not really. Does he what? really do like, that? Did that on, well, now he's like a Twitter person, right? So. Uh, uh, didn't he do a book about like 
Stephen like King, not Trump. Woody Allen. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, Stephen King. No, no, Stephen King. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't he he's do like... a book very recently where he had like a Trump-like figure that's like the villain? Well, oh I mean, his yeah. last three or four books do have that component to them where it's like, oh, there's graffiti on the wall. It says like, this is MAGA country or you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, there's one book where it's about like a lesbian couple that's shunned from like a small town and it's like very 2017, very 2018, like just reacting to the politics uh, of, you know, what was popular during that time, you know, so, but he still maintains like a certain level of quality where it's not completely, even if it's laughable, it's not unreadable. And I think a lot of the people who got consumed in that uh, political frenzy did make themselves just completely inaccessible in any sort of general way. Yeah, massively. I also feel like you're not really expecting a hit from Stephen King at this point. Yeah. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Like, so. it, it, it's not that, like, stop writing books, bro, because your days are behind you, but it is also kind of like, you've done so much great fucking stuff that it's kind of really hard to keep topping yourself like that. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I think there's definitely some merit to sort of the tarantino philosophy of like you peak and then there's kind of you know you'll tail off and all of that stuff it's not just a constant upward trajectory until you die <laughs> like that's do you not think he's gonna stick to artists. that yeah the 10 movies and then <laughs> drop filmmaking well he said he would i don't know if you've seen that like three and a half hour uh rogan appearance he did in the, in the last like year or so yeah where he was just shitting on bruce bruce lee's widow throughout like a good <laughs> third of that <laughs> just calling her yeah. a liar Standing up, standing up for himself and his creative choices is, uh, you know, but, yeah. Uh, but he, yeah, yeah, like he, yeah, he was pretty. He was like, yeah, I might, I might only do one more film, but that doesn't mean that I'm not gonna stop creating. Like, I'm gonna keep. I'm really getting into writing, and I'm gonna keep writing. That was why the whole reason he was on it was because he was do- promoting, I think, the novelization or the book yeah. version of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I am actually. I, that's only just come back into my mind. I should actually read that. I bet it's fucking sick. Oh, we were supposed to it? do an ep- We were supposed to do an episode on this. I still haven't read it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's what's preventing the episode from happening. Is Hans can't read. Uh, he does have a book <laughs> coming out in October, which is a, like a film history book. It's nonfiction. Okay. I'm very excited about that as well. I I enjoy his yeah. writing. I listened to the um, the audio book of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which was narrated by Jennifer Jason Lee, who is um, plays. Uh, daisy in the hateful eight oh, so that was okay a, yeah, was yeah. A good listen. uh i enjoy his work i'm kind of i'm curious to see what he does once he's done with films seems like he might tread into miniseries or television or he's i, I know he wanted to do um bounty law which was the western inside yeah. Yeah. Time yeah, yeah, yeah. as like a legit yeah. series so I we'll love see. him. He's he's the reason I wasted money and like went to film school. And uh, <laughs> he's I, I saw Kill Bill when I was like nine, and it was like the first like sort of naughty violent movie I ever saw. And it's just like forever lodged and imprinted like mm-hmm. in my brain forever. And it also introduced me to because it's like it's re- it's referencing a bunch of different genres. So like obviously I wanted to know more about the genres that it was referencing. So that kind of like led me down a bunch of rabbit holes as well and yeah i, I love him i don't have any problems with him is that your favorite of his still kill bill it still holds a place it will forever hold a place in my heart but i can't say that it necessarily stands to the test of time is because uh, i rewatched it recently and i probably shouldn't have it should have just remained in nostalgia land <laughs> um but i think my favorite film is probably um 
fuck that's a really different that's a hard question probably pulp fiction honestly i think it's the most seamless like funnest one to watch i guess i think i think that that's his best one i really enjoy inglorious bastards as well um but kill bill definitely has a special special place in my heart for me it's either the hateful eight or um jackie brown you know what the hateful eight is one that i have gradually come around to where I uh, I really didn't like it at first. Um, we had checked it out for the podcast. We we made the mistake of watching the miniseries version that Netflix put up, and okay. um, that was that was a that was an error. And then we revisited it for another show not long ago, maybe about a year ago. And I was just like, how could I have been so wrong about the hateful eight? This movie's hilarious. This movie's excellent. Yeah. It's so slept on. It's it's great. Um, but similar to you, Angie. My one of like a formative film for me was Reservoir Dogs, and I went back to that kind of recently. And I was like, ah, maybe this is not as good as I remembered it being. Um, and uh, Kill Bill, Kill Bill is certainly a fun one. Have you seen the the whole bloody affair, the the three hour like master cut of that? That's uh, I had it. I had it at one point. Um, yeah, it's so good. It's so like I loved it. Like every. I just like spent the entire day like <laughs> watching the whole thing. Like, yeah, it's really, really good. It's well, really good. I just got uh, notified from Hans in private here. He's got five minutes uh, before he has to resume his work. Sorry, that was <laughs> 10 minutes ago. Sorry, Hans, if you're going to get in trouble Sorry. with with your your employee, employer, excuse me. Uh, all right, so we'll, we'll wrap the show on that note. You guys were terrific. And we have to do another one of these uh, very soon. Yeah, so definitely. Uh, definitely. if you guys want to just plug Glow Society or anything else you've got going on at the moment. Oh, you guys are both blown up. Jake, you were just nominated for a Grammy, right? And Angie, you're writing for Newsweek now. So a <laughs> yeah. lot of things have happened since I popped on your show. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I write. I have like a little column in Newsweek. And yeah, Jake, Jake got nominated for it, but he lost to Alicia uh, Keys yeah. snaked oh, me. Wow. <laughs> A black queen uh, stole it from you. (laughs) I had a good old industry buddy tell me it's always going to be difficult when you're up against an A&R favorite, which is uh, always true, I guess. I think that uh, that's just like Just sounds bitter now, doesn't it, though? Yeah. Bitter white uh... (laughs) But Yeah, no, I've got an album coming out, so uh, you can check me out on zero.doctor.zero.bandcamp.com. I know that's like really... (laughs) <laughs> mouthful yeah, you, uh, you just send yeah. me the link to that and i'll put it in the, i'll send the, you a link yeah yeah i've got a vinyl yeah. coming out and uh music and stuff coming soon so yeah check, definitely check all of that and definitely check out low society we do that every week as well yeah we chat about random stuff world events uh thank you guys for having us on as well it was really fun absolutely all right that has been movies for this week thank you for listening <laughs>